Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Good morning, Christ Community Church. Um, here's what happened. I had a respiratory virus, and I was getting over that, thanks to uh, uh, Dr. Phil Roberts, I was getting over that, and uh, then my wife came home from a conference with COVID. So, I got a one-two punch. Uh, that was fun. Um, <clears throat> so, if believe it or not, I'm actually feeling better. Um, I know I look like deaf, uh, but I, I, uh, you should have seen me yesterday. Um, so, things are slowly getting better, but just be praying for everybody. It's, it, there's just so much sickness going around. I mean, it's just unreal, you know, and now the whole white lung thing that's popped up and all, I mean, it's just everywhere, so be praying, um, <clears throat> and be sure, as, as Megan said, take the bulletin home with you. Take the bulletin home with you, stick it in your Bible, and every day, one, read your Bible, and then two, open that bulletin and pray for the people who are listed there. That's um, a great, great and godly thing. Well, all that being said, <clears throat> we have shifted a little bit, and now we are in the lead up to Christmas, and, and, and this morning what I want to talk about is Christmas according to the prophets. And so we're going to look at Micah. Okay, now I, I know that, you know, you, you, very few people spend a lot of time in Micah. I get that. And I know that it's even hard to find in, in your Bible. You gotta, it's in the Old Testament, but it's near the end and so forth. But if you go to Micah 5.2, that's where we're going to go. Little background information uh, on Micah, but before I do that, I do want to remind all of you with Christmas coming up. So we've got the Christmas play next weekend, and then the weekend after that, Dad will preach, and then I'll, we'll have our Christmas Eve service again. So I, I just want to repeat this. Our Christmas Eve service, because Christmas Eve falls on Sunday, instead of having a separate service, we're going to have both our regular service and our Christmas Eve service combined on Sunday morning. Does that make sense? So 10.30, Sunday morning, regular time, we will, we'll be here, we'll be done by noon, We'll, but we'll have both candle lighting and communion. We'll have the combination of both services on that morning, just so you know. All righty. Um, and, and I, I want to thank you guys, too. Some of you have reached out. Um, some of you reached out to see if I was dying. Um, uh, <laughs> fortunately, not. Um, it felt like in a few days, but... As we announced at the Thanksgiving dinner, some of you know and have been praying for, Megan and I are going to be adopting. So, that's going to be a long <clears throat> and expensive process. Um, it's, it's probably going to take a year to two years 
and, and cost something like $50,000. Um, uh, if you see me on the side of the road, be kind. Um, but but that's, that's what we're committed to. We would like to go through Uganda, but Uganda's laws are kind of, we'll, we'll see where that goes because, you know, they're like, well, you just have to come live here for a year. Like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. Um, so we may have to look elsewhere, but we're still going to try. Eddie and Patrick are really helping out with us there through their contacts and so forth to see what they can do, and, and we'll see. We'll see. But anyway, Micah. Back to Micah. Micah was a prophet, and he was working at the same, he was called by God to speak to the people of God about the same time as Isaiah and Amos, etc. And he gets up and he delivers a very strong word of judgment to the people of God for being unfaithful. But, in the middle of this, he says something interesting. God gives him this. And I don't think that Micah had any idea what he was saying. But this is what God gave him in Micah 5.2. But as for you, <clears throat> Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will come forth for me to be a ruler in Israel. His times of coming forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Now notice that. Notice that. He said, I, I, I'm going to send a king from Bethlehem. He's a future king but his times are from eternity past. Hmm. That's interesting. That's interesting. He says, this is what your king will be. He, he, he's coming, and yet, he's already here. And he's been here from the beginning. This prophecy is so powerful. I, I want you to know, I mean, I, I, I say a lot, maybe I've said it too much, that the prophet's main job were called to be basically preachers. They were called by God to tell the people of God that they were being unfaithful and then they needed to get their act together. That, that was the main role of a prophet. It, it wasn't just all, you know, weird kind of future predictions. But those future predictions were there. And, and when you take them all together, you piece them together, you, you look at the minor prophets, you look at Jeremiah, you look at Isaiah, it's pretty incredible. I got a buddy up in Columbus. Um, some of you have been around long enough to know his family. His name's Eric Shabo. His grandfather was Pop Shabo, owned and ran Pop's Place in, in uh, Wheelersburg. And Eric is a Christian minister, and 
And what God has really put on his heart is he reaches out to Jewish people in the name of Jesus Christ. That's one of the things that, that he does. And one of the ways he does it is he takes <clears throat> the prophecies from the Old Testament, he prints them off, he takes the verses, chapters off, titles off, everything, just the text. And he lays them in front of his Jewish friends and says, okay, let's look at Isaiah. Now, read that. And Okay, yeah. Who does that sound like? Sounds like Jesus. Yeah, but that's 600 years before Jesus. That's the prophet Isaiah. And when he lays this before them, they see that God had said that that it wasn't, we'll get to this when we get into the book of Revelation. And I know a lot of you really, I've heard so many of you that you can't wait to get to the book of Revelation. Again, I warned you. All right, we'll get there, Lord willing, in January, but I'm just telling you. Um, But what, what we're going to see is that God promised us a long time ago, and Here's what's amazing to me. You find this ingrained in every culture, in every place, in every time. Now, what do I mean by that? Here's the deal. Um, I'm a big fan of C.S. Lewis. Believe it or not, in my household, the nerd is my wife. She's a a huge fan of Lord of the Rings. She loves the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. And the amazing thing is that C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, and some, some, most of you are at least familiar with the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, right, and, and so forth, C.S. Lewis, who wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and The Chronicles of Narnia, and he wrote Mere Christianity, and The Screw Tape Letters, and all that kind of stuff. And J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, were colleagues together at Oxford. And when they first met, Tolkien was the Christian, Lewis was the atheist. And they used to take walks together. And one of the things on my my bucket list, if my wife doesn't bring another disease home, is is to get to Oxford because one of the places I want to go is there's this little path. I think it's called Addison's Path. I may be wrong on that. It's something like that. And it's this little path around a pond. And that's where J.R.R. Tolkien, the author of Lord of the Rings, and C.S. Lewis, the author of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, would walk and talk about God. And Lewis was, by trade, writing wasn't his primary profession. His primary profession was he was a history professor. He was a professor also of medieval literature. He studied mythology, and he studied, you know, uh, different cultures and different myths. And 
J.R. Tolkien also knew a lot about that, and, and he challenged Lewis one time. He said, he said he called, Clive, some, most people called him Jack. His name was actually Clive Staples Lewis, but most people called him Jack. He said, Clive, have you ever noticed something? That in all these stories that we read, there's this common theme that there's an evil that we can't deal with and the necessary coming of a king who can. You ever notice that, Jack? And he said, well, sure. Okay, fair enough. And Tolkien said, the reason why that story pervades everything, all literature, everywhere, all cultures, is because it's a true story. And it's about Jesus Christ. And he began to show Lewis the Gospels and, and the prophecies and so forth. And, and, and Lewis not only became a Christian, he became one of the most impactful Christians in history, really. And it was because he said, look, you, you need to see this. And we need to see this. We need to see that there is an evil out, uh, there is an evil that we cannot defeat. It, it, it doesn't matter what the political agenda is. It doesn't matter what the educational philosophy is. It doesn't matter what the economics are. It doesn't matter that we are not going to defeat it. We need a champion. We need a hero. We need a king. And what the Bible teaches is that Jesus Christ went to the cross to defeat that evil for us. That he fought it and he won it. So this is the reason why you see this story told again and again and again and again and again. Whether it's in science fiction, whether it's in fantasy, whether it's in, you see it everywhere. In Lord of the Rings, which I have read the books, I read them to my, to my son, Lord willing, I'll read them again to our next son. And one of the things that happens in Lord of the Rings is the king of man has to go through the world of death for three days to emerge on the other side. Who does that sound like? Yeah, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. We tell this story again and again and again because it's true. Because it's, it's, it's ingrained within us. We know God has ingrained this in us that we cannot defeat this evil. We need a hero. We need a champion. We need a king. And his name is Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to keep this fairly short 
um, because I can barely stand. Now, again, I told this to Andrew earlier, if I pass out, let me sleep. Okay? When you, when you spent a week up all night coughing, I want the sleep. Just, just, just let me pass out. But here was my question. Here's my question. When I was kind of kicking the stones of, of the Christian faith, when I was an atheist, and I was trying to figure all this out, and, I, and I, I knew these stories about Lewis and, and, and Tolkien, and, and, and I knew that, that, that Tolkien had, had said that you need to understand. He, he looked at C.S. Lewis, he said, the Bible is the only true myth. It's the only, and what he means by that is, yes, this, we, we just naturally as people say, okay, we know something's wrong. We know we can't fix it. We need somebody from outside of us. We need somebody to come and fix it. We need somebody perfect. We need somebody who loves us. We need somebody who, who will, who, who's willing to die for us. We know this. We all know this. And this is in story after story after story. And, and so I knew this. I, I, I heard all the tales. I'd seen documentaries and all this other kind of stuff about Tolkien and Lewis. And I, and I knew this. But my question, if I were walking those paths with those two men, my question to Tolkien would have been this. I understand that you say that you go to like Micah 5.2 or you go to Isaiah and you see these prophecies about Jesus Christ, why, the, why do you need the prophecies? What, what, why didn't God just do it? Why, why the prophecies? And it took me a while because I am a slow learner To put all this together, the reason for prophecy, the reason God says, I'm going to send my son, I'm going to send your king, I am going to send your champion, I am going to send your hero to come and save you. The reason he says this, not just hundreds of years before, Genesis 3. The very first prophecy of Jesus is in Genesis 3. You could go all the way back there. Who do you think God is talking about when he tells Adam and Eve, I will send, the Son of Man will come and he will crush the serpent's head, but he will receive a fatal wound. Who does that sound like? It's Jesus Christ. By the way, any question I ask, by the way, this is church, 99% of the time the right answer is Jesus. Just you don't, you don't have to worry about guessing. It's Jesus. 
like the old story, I love the old story, I've, I've told it before, uh, some poor lady was teaching a, a Sunday school class and she was trying to, she was trying to get this lesson across and she was using the example of a squirrel and she was talking about how the squirrel, you know, takes its, its nuts or whatever and, and all this other kind of stuff and, and, and so she was trying to get the class to guess. So she, what does this sound like? What, what does this sound like when this does this and this does that and all that kind of stuff? And a little boy looks up puzzledly and says, it sounds like a squirrel, but this is Sunday school, so it's got to be Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. Why prophecy? Here's what God does. Here's what God does. It's to show, because we doubt it, let's face it, anyone who's ever had faith for more than five minutes has had a moment of doubt. And what God is doing for us through prophecy is not just showing, look at me, he's saying, see, I'm in control. I'm in control of history. I call the shots. I say it's going to happen. It happens. And what you need to do with that is not just go, okay, Micah said Jesus was coming. We all believe in Jesus. What happens is like when you're coughing up a lung like I was at 3 a.m. the other night. And you're like, this is just miserable. What you need to remember is God's in control. And here's a little spoiler alert for our study on the book of Revelation, which we kick off in January. Spoiler alert. God wins. That's the thing. Whatever doubts you may have, whatever, whatever sickness you may be going through, whatever family trouble, financial trouble, whatever it is, at the end of the day, God's in control and God wins. History has, as Tolkien and Lewis talked about on those walks, History has a happy ending. Jesus will come back. And I, one, I've been studying the book of Revelation. But two, because I've been so sick, I've been really praying that he comes back like quick. It's like, I don't mean to tell you your business, but any time's fine with me. I'm good. Let's get that whole new heavens and earth and new body. Let's get that going. The point of prophecy is God is in control. And all of those prophecies, it doesn't just say that I will send a king. He says, I will send a king who wins. 
who is victorious, who will reign, and who will love you. At the end of the day, with all the junk going around, as crazy as the world seems right now, and my goodness, I mean, I watch the news some mornings and I'm just like, what? This is bonkers. This is just crazy. And we get all worked up, and I know we do. I, I, I see your posts on Facebook. I know how worked up you get. And I'm not saying that world events aren't important or that we shouldn't pay attention, or I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is this. The whole reason for prophecy is to show us God's in control. And if you read the back of the book, that control equals victory. We win. We win. Well, really, Jesus wins, but you know, we're on his team, so, right? We, we, get, we get to wave the banner. That's how that works, you know? God's in control, and God wins. And that's what you need to remember. It's what you need to remember, the, the insanity that we, we put ourselves through during, during the holidays. I mean, it's just... It's just nuts. The amount of time and money and, 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 and goodness sakes, what a way to celebrate Jesus' birth by honking and flipping people off at Walmart, right? Um, which is what happens. It happened to me the other day. Um, it, but we need to remember as we go into Christmas what this is all about and who this is all about. We have an evil we cannot defeat. We have a king who did it for us. He was prophesied long ago to show us who's really in control. And so that when we put our heads on our pillow at night, we can go to sleep knowing no matter what the next day brings, ultimately, we win. Amen? Let's pray before I actually do pass out. One, two. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for that in your wisdom you have shown us you're in control of history. What you say will happen will happen. And so when you say your son will return and he will vanquish evil and he will reign, we know that that will happen. And that we can rest assured that no matter what else happens in our life, victory, victory is guaranteed. We thank you for this.
praise you for this. And in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God goes with you. I, I appreciate your prayers, thoughts, concerns. It's nothing that a nap of, say, two, three days won't fix. So God bless you all. Have a great week. Christmas play next weekend. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.